why does my countdown widget not work anymore? Why does it not work? I don't understand. Start. Improvement. Look, no, it, it goes from 11 to 9, and then it just turns off. <laughs> anyway, we're probably right. live by now, Jeff. So Okay, all right, here we go. We are here for our Tuesday nights, Deep Space 9 at 9-ish. Uh, right on time, guys, 9.05. Uh, I think we're doing okay. Uh, season 2, Episode 11, Rivals. We were talking about this. This Is is this our first episode of 1994, Dave? Yes, this is the beginning. We've, we're out of 93. We're out of 93. We're hey. into a, a Bring new in 1994. It was, was it better than 93? Probably not. Jeff, in 1994, uh, like, this hadn't happened yet when this episode aired, but Bret Hart was going to win his second World Wrestling Federation title against Yokozuna only months later at WrestleMania 10. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just think about that. Well, I, I thought about <laughs> it, uh, and I think it has nothing to do with Star Trek Deep Space Nine at nine-ish. Uh, talking about Season 2, Episode 11, Rivals. Uh, we're here talking about... Um, kind of two different storylines going on here. Miles O'Brien getting his butt kicked by a preppy Julian Bashir and uh, at squash or racquetball, whatever they're playing. Um, and then the other storyline is all about Martis Mazur, who's this listener guy who's from, I don't even know how that's a power. He's, we listen, he's, you know? he's Guinan species. Oh, is he Guinan species? Yeah. Yes. I did not know this. What's what's the species? Elorian. Elorian. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Um, but okay, that makes more sense now in context. Um, but at the same time, he's not as cool as Guinan. He's kind of like a con guy. Like he's like this con artist that kind of just like is got these schemes like that you would you know like a sleazy used car salesman type guy. Uh, that you know. Guyana was like, I'm the cafeteria lady, and I have like, I, you know, any, anything you need, Picard. If, if you need a question about time travel, I'm your girl. Um, that well, was I, always, you know. We've I, met like three Elorians, right? Three, only three. Two of, them, two of them are total pieces of shit. Yes. <laughs> What's the other yeah. one? What's okay? We got Malcolm McDowell, Soren uh, from Star Trek Generations. Soren. Okay, Soren. All right, yeah. <laughs> but they look like just like humans. Like they don't. They look they're exactly like humans. They they're <laughs> humans that listen, which apparently is a concept, and they're long lived. Like like we would have to assume that even this guy is several centuries old. Maybe, yes. Guinan is right. Guinan is, and so is Malcolm McDowell's character Soren. So, um, and yeah. their 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 planet was wiped out by the Borg some time ago. So that we can't assume that. Yeah, but yeah, they're not all. They're a diverse species, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it is interesting, but like uh, my favorite part of this episode is Quark and the you know Martis Mazur relationship that's going on. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, what did you guys kind of like? Like, what what kind of stood out for you in this episode, Dave? Like that that you liked. Well, I think that, yeah, I think that the Martis character is a fun one. I think he's a fun foil to Quark in this episode. Um, and I think that they it's interesting having another member of this Elorian species, even though I don't I think it's lost in the episode 
that connection unless you're really paying attention for it. Um, well, you didn't pick up on it. And uh, I thought he was a listener species or something. I was like, what? He's a good listener? That was it. That's all I thought. Right. Like, it's it, that's what Guinan's that's what they're known for that they're good at listening and giving advice i guess but anyway so but he he uses that power for instead of uh troy yeah it's why guinan has to do troy's job on the enterprise d <laughs> right uh and, and he uses this power though for nefarious purposes he uses this what if you had that that talent that ability to sort of have, be insightful be um be a, a good at good at uh at looking at pe other people's problems which is kind of at least that's how Guinan is presented and we're told that this is a species this is a quality of her entire species although again we're comparing her this guy and Soren who's like a psychopath so it's kind of hard to understand what the common thread is between all three of them um Guyan is probably a psycho oh, is probably a psychopath too. She just holds it back. <laughs> that's that's my theory. Yeah, I so I enjoy that. I enjoy the whole quirk, and I think that just having more of that promenade, uh, little, it's like a little town. The promenade, right? You yeah. know, it's like this little western town, and I think having just a bit more fun in that, uh, the the whole thing, rivals, right, and is really interesting and it's too bad that we didn't i don't know if we needed this character back but quark sort of dealing with competition and somebody you know someone else on the promenade being kind of a big deal uh i think that this game this this, this luck game or whatever the heck it is is the most boring ill-conceived thing it's 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 not it's very characteristic of what star trek was doing with technology at the time what they could do with their special effects remember that epi the episode of next gen where Riker brings that weird game back from Ryza that yeah. nearly takes over the Federation this yeah, kind of makes did. me feel like that yeah yeah when he brought back Candy Crush yeah right really <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and nearly ruined the Federation forever um in the Put process the disc in the in the cone yeah and that's what they did I I like this episode. Uh, I even like the games. I, I mean, not the games themselves, but I like the premise of changing probability and and yeah. what that would do around the station. And this episode also is is almost like a one of those classic uh, TNG episodes where they're not really in any danger. It's just this sort of fun puzzle to figure out. <laughs> Like nobody's really getting hurt. I mean, Kira falls down some stairs or something, but oh, he gets his pride wounded. Sure. He he said he uh -oh. could have wiped the court with Bashir. <laughs> yeah, but I, do you guys did you guys like it, like the whole Bashir racquetball stuff, like with with uh, O'Brien and like how he smoked him and then he like basically folded in like the next one and like O'Brien was like offended. Did you like all I, that stuff? Or? I did like it because for once it didn't show Bashir as being the douchebag, but O'Brien was. Like mm. he was like a sore loser and he was getting angry and it, it wasn't a good look on uh, on him. Yeah, well that scene and, where he walks in with, with Keiko and uh, he's like, fuck on Bashir! And he's like, <laughs> like, he's like, I'll beat him, I just, I'm out of shape, I'm still the same O'Brien. I've like, just lost, he wins. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. a wounded man if I've ever seen one right I there. Just lost <laughs> and yeah. you know he was just so upset that to be beat by Bashir. Like he could have lost to anyone else and probably been fine. But since it was Bashir, and this is before their friendship, right? This really is kind of the start. Well, I think we talked about that episode last year, which name escapes me right now. But remember that mission where, like, by the end of yeah, it, O'Brien's like, can we just power. never talk again? And we'll, like, we'll be professional, but we are not buds, right? Yeah. And they're like, cool, cool. And and here we are halfway through the second season, basically. They still don't like each other. No. And they'll go on to be, like, the best friends ever. Like, like in fact, I think O'Brien and Bashir, if you talk about who are the two best friends in Star Trek, I think these two have to be considered and in 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 the conversation if we ever did that as a trivial debate that might be interesting um but but it's it's it, they earned it they really earned that because if they they didn't have this backstory of them being contentious it wouldn't be as good in the same way i don't think that dax and kira feels as earned as th that relationship bashir and, and well, o'brien does I think it really shows that Bashir and O'Brien are both kind of hard to get along with yes. on a personal level. So yeah. they find each other like star-crossed lovers in the hollow suite. <laughs> Which member of the D Space Nine cast is the easiest to get along with? Like, is the character? Mm, probably Dax. Probably Dax, yeah. yeah. Or Quark. <laughs> or Quark. He's probably going to try to, you know, scheme you or something. Yeah, or but you know that going in, so right. you can prepare for it. But Cisco's not easy going. Odo definitely no. not easy going. No. Um, Kira, no. No. Um, no. No. It would suck <laughs> to work Worf. on the station. I think. Worf. <laughs> Worf when he comes along. You know, but on Deep Space Nine, he's not. He's not really easy to get along with either. He. He gets in everybody's face when he yeah. when he, he first knows. right? Um, yeah. yeah, so I don't like yeah, like I just think that it's not a, it's a pretty it's a little bit of a rough around the edges crew, right? And O'Brien even more so, definitely more than he was on Next Gen. And Next Gen, he was just happy, he was a happy transporter chief, and yeah, you know, and and they're trying to turn O'Brien into this the. He, like it wasn't even like when they first brought that character into next gen, it wasn't like they envisioned him, I think specifically as this enlisted everyman sort of relatable character, right? Like he's not yeah. an officer. He didn't go to the Academy. He says racist things against Cardis and whatever. Um, and, and, and here he's being petty about losing a tennis match to yeah. a guy who was apparently a tennis star and nearly what became a professional tennis player and is also genetically engineered, but we don't know that yet. And Peter Vulcan. <laughs> right. Yes. And a bit of whatever. He beat a Vulcan. That's all you need to know about Dr. Julian Bashir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He uh, He's pretty awesome. I, I like uh, Bashir. He's he's rootable. He's the uh, type of guy. You're, you're turning around on Bashir because we hate him. In the, we all hated him in the first season. All of us hated him. Uh, yeah, or found him annoying, at least. They needed to do an episode where they shit on O'Brien and gave Julian a good look. Because yeah. let's face it, guys, Bashir's been taking a lot of shit for a while. Oh! <laughs> every episode. <laughs> oh! Every episode, Bashir is just like there. They, and the, you, you can see they're going to start giving him stuff. 
it wasn't great in this episode. All his stuff with Dax, where he's like, oh, I'm going to kill O'Brien. Because, you know, it was he an old deal or whatever. And he's like talking to Dax. And he's like, oh, if we keep playing. And he's like, he wouldn't let me go. I had to call him in a medical emergency. <laughs> and uh, that whole thing, that whole like sequence, I'm like, all right, Bashir, you're getting there. <laughs> sort of, you know. It's not great, but I'll take it. I know you're going to get better. You know, that's how I feel about Bashir. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just think, um, again, like, I don't love this episode, but it's it's not like the worst episode we've certainly watched this season so far. It's kind of a high point, maybe, in, of season two for me in some ways. Uh, we'll see so how the rest far, of this, Yeah. Yeah. Like, but it's also like, I'm like, okay, but I, I feel like I, I, I you know... This is interesting to me. the the bet the most value here comes from we got an Elorian, which is only something that I would be excited about. Maybe Kevin, uh, and 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 I guess the fact that O'Brien and Bashir have this back more like they were building it right. But on first viewing, I don't know how much this episode how, if you would enjoy this episode without all that context. Yeah, this is just sort of supposed to be a fun episode like it's not supposed to be serious and no like cork calls everybody into his bar at one point he's like calling a medical emergency with o'brien yeah. and like a need to fix something in his pt barnum impression on the yeah. Bar. <laughs> yeah 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 and he's doing a whole speech there's jamil huh? you know talking about rivals here deep space nine at nine ish uh here with jamil robinson on talking to Talking to him on his lunch break, uh, he's, you know, what what are what is your takes on this episode, Jamil? <laughs> um, this episode is not a, a D Space Nine episode. It, is, <laughs> it feels like a back uh, backdoor pilot, like. Uh, a lot of 90s shows and even 80s shows used to do it all the time where it's like, let's introduce you to a bunch of wacky characters and we'll see if people like them and we might make them into a spinoff show, right? Um, and that's what it felt like because it seemed like it had little to do with the actual station itself. It could have been completely on, in a totally different location with different characters. Like, um, the only interesting part was the B storyline, which was Bashir and O'Brien, and everything else was just like <laughs> it's like, hey, if you like the Princess Bride, um, <laughs> um, you got something to look at. And you know what? Also, I gotta, I gotta say, there was some uh, a little bit of um, uh, stuff for the ladies in this episode. You got um, a shirtless um, Colin Meany in it. You got, you got uh, Bashir. Uh, Alex Sadig in his um tight uh, onesie looking um yes with the the little <laughs> yes. boys outfit he was wearing yes. here let's see if I can find that here uh, oh there, you can see a little bit of it there with that that is a quite the neckline he's got I there. find it unreal that he goes out and eats in that too after like change yeah. he goes and eats some oatmeal <laughs> with Dax wearing his squash outfit and it's so, the only uh, shirt I have of it right there but sorry you know for you know why Dax never hooked up with him. <laughs> this is one of the reasons why she's seen him in this. She's like, mm -mm. right? Why can I have that? There's yeah, just like, yeah. where's the traction? Right? She had where's to die to get over it, to be fair. She, but. She's, she's like, what, what, 
what's your problem with with O'Brien? What's your boyfriend? You know, like that's what. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Uh, I, you know what? I love how um, um, O'Brien has his sequence of events where he's like getting ready for the match, and he's like telling him like drop shot, corner side, and he's like shirtless talking to the mirror, and then Keiko gives him a shirt and he puts it on, and then he's like saying something else. She gives him his wristbands, you know, which are like vital for racquetball. Oh, sorry, <laughs> whatever they <laughs> they call it. Like, what is he wearing? Is he is he like? Did he go to Yale? What's with that jersey? That oh, we lost him. Oh, he'll be back. I have a question for him when he comes back. You know, I want to know. Do you think that okay, Colm Meany, big movie star of the night, early nineties, right? Mm-hmm. Usually playing a yeah. villain, where the women crying out to Hollywood, "We need a shirtless Colm Meany in this episode. We need to see if we can turn up his sex appeal." His agent I doubt it. So. <laughs> His agent probably pushed for it. Cole Media was like, fine. <laughs> Why do I have to take my shirt off in the episode where I'm an old man? He was in good shape. Do you think that the women were crying out in the 90s for a shirtless Cole Meany, Jamil? I think, I think ladies did like it. Yeah. Big movie yeah. star. The star of Under Siege and Con Air, Colm Meany. Both. He's in both. Yeah, that's right. Played a played a bit part in Die Hard 2. Yeah. There's there's no small parts, only small people. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Jamil, question. Do you, you understand the El Orion connection of Martis? Yes. Um uh, we saw previously another being who was um, from a race of listeners, if you will, uh, Guinan. Yes. Guinan. And we were bringing this up at the top of the show. Okay, we've met three Elorians, major characters from this species, the species that was ravaged by the Borg centuries ago, or at least a century ago, um, before this point. And it's it's Guinan, to who you've alluded to, this guy who we meet in this episode, Martis. He's kind of a con con artist. And then there was Soren, the guy who ke- killed Captain Kirk, ultimately. So, um, the, what do these three do? These three have anything in common? These three characters, like, what does it mean to be from a race of listeners? What does that What does that actually mean? Um, and is it a, is it well conceived or executed? I know that's a lot. That's a lot of questions, but to you, I I felt that they should have like better explained. Like, I believe that there's like latent like empathic abilities that they have, and that's why they're able to be such great listeners. Um, but they never really, they kind of just like never committed to that kind of concept. Yeah, like it just, I don't understand how they're different than Betazoids or other like other species that are. Earth. They're special, Dave. That's what you need to know. Okay. I don't really understand how they're any different from humans. Other than they live a long time <laughs> and they're from another planet, but and maybe that's all there is to it. But you know, it's uh... yeah, and they're special, and, and that's that's what they are. Yeah, like there's ten, I'm guiding. I ten bar and I listen. What the fuck does that our, mean? Like our planet was destroyed. I know everything about the universe when something weird comes up. 
Right. As as they grow up, they get like a book of vague riddles, and um, that's basically what they use to like. <laughs> so, I'm gonna give you advice, but it might not mean anything until you put meaning to it. Well, we know that the Elorians were uh, visiting Earth as 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 early as the 19th century because we see uh, Whoopi Goldberg Guinan dealing with Samuel Clemens, uh, aka uh, Mark Twain, in the 19th century. So the her species traveled to Earth. Uh, before, well before we were going to space um, at all, which is, you know, so I, I think that we're seeing in Star Trek Discovery and some of these other shows right now that they're building upon, like we're seeing that they're out there building upon the trill. And now, so we're going to get way more, um, maybe context in the future. I would like to see them explore these Elorians more. I think that there's something to it, but I think there's we need to fill in more of the, the blanks. Is this recency bias just because we kind of see this episode and you're like, I would like to see it apply in modern times or more on it? Because it just seems kind of out of the blue to go like, you know what? Out of all the characters and all the concepts through all of like 798 episodes of Star Trek, I want to know about the Aldorians, right? That just seems kind of like out there, <laughs> really. Well, I think it, why were they even, why did they expand upon them in the first place? And it, I think it just had to do with the popularity of Whoopi Goldberg in this role, right? Okay. And like, oh, yes, I, I will skip ahead, uh, not to interrupt, sorry, but um, I was going to do it in a fun facts with Jeff, but this episode was meant to have Whoopi Goldberg in this episode, but she couldn't do oh, it really? due to Sister yes, Act 2. Two. <laughs> was it Sister, Sister Act 2? It was movie work, so it most likely was Sister Act 2. <laughs> or Sister Act 1? Wait, or what your Sister Act 1? But Okay, she wasn't back in the habit yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, wait, she might have been. Sister Act 1 is 1992, so Sister Act 2 back in the habit. Oh, I bet you she was. I bet you she was. <laughs> this was being filmed. right? Yep, that's it. It was back in the habit. Took her away. Jeez. I think she got the bigger paycheck on Sister Act 2, though. So she, she, she actually did. She would have. That movie did pretty big business. Yeah. Yeah, it, it doubled its uh, budget at the box office. Sister Act 2 did? Yes. <laughs> D- dude, they're th- talking about making a Sister Act 3. Right. And, uh, oh, and Sister Act 2 came out December 10th, 1993, mere weeks before this episode aired. <laughs> mere weeks. This, this I never knew there was going to be such a connection here to Sister Act or Sister Act 2 for that matter. Jamil called it. It was Sister Act 2. Uh, <laughs> I had a feeling. Yeah. It was like, what, what would it, it would have been the Tyronis, the Tyronosaurus Rex movie? The, what's the story? The terrible movie? Jurassic Park? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, Whoopi Goldberg made a terrible like animatronic Tyrannosaurus Rex movie. It's It's horrible. Around this time she did? Around any time, it doesn't matter. Right? Okay. It's horrid. It's so, so bad you just wanted to mention it. <laughs> well, when you're making decisions, I, I, I'm kind of thinking, especially how this episode is. It's like, okay, she decided not to do this movie, to do this episode, to do a movie. So it's like, was it a good movie or was it a terrible movie that she did? And those were the two ends of the spectrum. It wasn't Ghost, right? Right. So it was either Sister Act 2 or that Tyrannosaurus Rex movie. I will admit, I'm a big fan of Sister Act 1. I've never seen Sister Act 2. But have you seen it, Jamil? Um, Dave, I hate to break this to you, but I am a person of, um, you know, like my pigment. Mm-hmm. I, I see that. I, I see that. I, yes, I have seen Sister Act Two. Okay. And question 
is 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 Sister Act two a worse movie or is this a worse Deep Space Nine episode? No, Sister Act two is a much better episode movie than this episode. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, she, she made the right choice on another level. So she did, she did. All right, Whoopi, way to go! I, way to... I quote, I quote Sister Act two uh, with my family. Yeah. What and are then... the feelings on the on the whole gambling divide? Like the old man and in the that's you know sleeping and then he wakes up and then he has the thing and he finally wins and then i thought he was gonna take him and become rich but no he was like no it's gonna be a scheme this guy this guy yeah this old man guy uh the the con artist is a dummy because you have this person who says that his life was basically wrecked by this machine and Mm. the his his success that he gets that gives him relief is death (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna take the, I'm gonna take this device and I'm gonna just roll with it. It's like, come on. Was, was that no, good? Like listen- I'm gonna make it bigger and make several of them. <laughs> was that good listening by Martis? Was he listening to that guy very well? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, he said. He said. Uh, he literally said to Martis. Uh, Martis said to him. He goes, "I'm not listening." About <laughs> <laughs> what, what is? Yeah, this makes no sense. A race of listeners isn't listening. Yeah, he <laughs> said it to him. And in that, that same songy way. <laughs> I'm not listening. I'm not listening. listening. <laughs> yeah, the actor that played this guy was really he, he was going all out. Chris Sanderson? Was, wait, is this um Sarandon? Like Susan Sarandon? Yes. Yes. Wait, this is the ex-husband of Susan Sarandon and uh, the yes. famous actress? <laughs> yes. Prin- Prince Humpledick from um, Prince's Bride. Jack Skeleton from The Nightmare Before Christmas. It's the same dude. Huh. So she kept the Sarandon name forever after that. Okay, so It's okay, a good right. name. <laughs> it's a good name. Yeah, he, she did more with it than he ever did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Look, hey, if I marry Kennedy... You're gonna call me Jamil Kennedy for the rest of the year. <laughs> it's like from the Kennedy, like John F. Kennedy. I'm like, yes, yes, from Camelot. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, Ooh, Susan Sarandon's ex. There we go. Yeah, he was whatever. Like he, <laughs> he was not that good. Um, no, he he worked with the the terrible script that he had. He he, I think he was actually fantastic with what he had like with the chicken scratch um like i wouldn't be surprised if like the r's in the script were backwards it seemed like such a poor <laughs> script right like even like quark just seemed like a, a minor character in this this bar association um um episode all right it just seems so backwards yeah, this is a Joe Minoski teleplay, at least. It's not his story, but Michael, Michael Pillar wrote it. Michael Pillar wrote Michael. the story, yeah. But the the actual script was was Joe Minoski and uh well he's wrote a lot of like episodes with Guinan in it. Um Okay. Oh, a ton of Voyager episodes. Okay, anyway. <laughs> It's all making sense. It's all, all making come. sense. It's all coming back to me. D- did the episodes in Voyager involve the holodeck and maybe an Irish town by chance? I think they probably. Uh, yeah, he did. Um, 
he did a lot of the two-parters he did a lot of like the killing game uh he did equinox uh he did unimatrix zero in d space nine futures end part one and two uh scorpion part one and two uh, he seems like he was Brandon Brega's like go-to guy whenever they had to do uh, like in Voyager, they had to do like a two-parter. And then in D Space Nine, he didn't write that much in D Space Nine, really. He wrote this. <laughs> Trust uh, him. He wrote Dramatis Personae from last season, which oh. was you remember that one? Yes, I remember that one. Where Odo didn't have time for jokes, he said. And then <laughs> um, Distant Voices, which is coming up next season. Where or that's the one where Bashir's like in his own head and he's getting older and whatever because the alien did the thing. Yeah, this guy. I don't know if I like this guy. Bad episode. I like that one. You like that one? And yeah, Times Orphan, which is about Molly O'Brien turning into an older baby. I like that episode. Yeah, that's pretty good too. And Times Arrow, which was the the whole thing I talked about earlier, which was where you know they go back to the 19th century, meet Mark Twain, and Guinan's there. Uh, so this guy has obviously got an affinity for. For the Elorians. So Discovery is gonna hook them up. That's what you'd wish. I'm that's hey, and you're right. Yes, to answer your question earlier, yes, is this recency bias? Absolutely. I just saw what they did on on Discovery last week. So I disagree, Dave. I don't think it is recency bias. (laughs) I think every time there is a species of any sort, you always say, I want to know more about these people. You always say it. Always do, yeah. Uh, Every species. <laughs> I just want to take a um, moment here to uh, plug uh, a Live Long podcast. Uh, proud to present uh, Star Trek Discovery podcast on Thursday. I'm not going to watch it. Kevin's not going to watch it because we don't watch <laughs> that show. But um, anyone else that watches that show, head on over Thursday. Star you Trek guys might like it. Okay. Yeah. Like, our <laughs> panel on this past Thursday was ecstatic about how that episode went. I was a little bit more reserved about this last one, but the rest I of jumped, I jumped on the pod because I was so excited to discuss it. It's true. Like it was uh our, we were moved. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> like honestly, and and I'll tell you, 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 I can't really say it from this episode, but there's like a level you can, yeah, you know what? You can watch it from this episode. When you're seeing the characters, like they're themselves, and it seems like they're able to take a breath, like Miles is able to like, you know, detail his frustrations with the situation and you have Keiko, and it seems like, hey, look, this looks like actual people interacting, right? Mm-hmm. When you're watching Discovery sometimes, earlier seasons, it seems like it's like, ah, oh, I'm angry at you. Everything is a tense moment with everyone in every single situation. This episode, you, it, it seems like all the characters just was able to take a deep breath and like have moments, like actual moments where like they're interacting and talking to each other like rational, like actual people. Right, yeah, like, yeah, I agree. Like from the moment, like where like Kira's banging the computer because like the thing like erased her whole work, or like when my favorite moment in the episode is when Cork is like chasing Cisco down yeah. and they go <laughs> into the elevator, and then like he's still arguing. You can hear him in the elevator arguing with Cisco. It's like, and um, it, it, and it's it, like, it, yeah, Quark's, like Quark's best line is like, um, "Hey, um, um, you, I had a." 
was it uh, bribing the Cardassians uh, doesn't mean um, not, you have slow exclusivity to having a bar. And it's like, well, you beg- begged me to stay here. It's like, I didn't beg. I blackmailed you. This <laughs> is so casually. It's like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was Cisco. Yeah, he's like, I didn't. I never begged you. I blackmailed you. Was, I was quite proud One of, of it. Favorite lines of his in the entire series. <laughs> when he's just so casually, yeah, I blackmailed you. I blackmailed you. <laughs> That's the hawk coming out. Picard never would have done that. That's Hoss. full hawk. He needs he's to not. Get... Where, where's the button? I'm getting it. I'm, I'm getting it. I, okay. I friggin' I, I I trumped myself there. I, 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 you I, set yourself up for that, man. I know, I know it. I'm not Picard. I'm a hawk. <laughs> I'm not. I'm a man named Hawk. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I don't have an interesting background today. It's like a bright room. No worries. Yeah, you're um, you're in the break room. I know. I'm in a conference room right now. Conference room. Okay. We're having a conference. Well, is there, is there somebody outside? Are they going? Are you finished? I haven't even begun. <laughs> Just play that. I'm keeping track of my lunch. My lunch half an hour. Yeah. Still... Well, we need to make sure we get your episode rating before you have to drop off. So if you if your time is winding down, make sure to let us know. Um, okay. Well, what else is there to talk about in this episode in terms of plot? Like, well, um... well what did you think about the character of Martyrs? Uh <laughs> What was it? Well, Kevin. Do you, did you think he was interesting? Do you think they should have brought him back? No. Once was enough. <laughs> but I don't hate him. I just I don't think he needed to ever come back. What reason would he have to come back? He could have been like the Deep Space Nine Q. Or Mud. Oh, God, no. I think he would have been more like a Harry Mud. Is maybe what they saw him as. Mm. Oh, maybe. Yeah, he would have been okay one more episode, maybe. Maybe with a better story. Yeah. Chances are, though, <laughs> I think they just had better characters. You know, I think they were trying out different things in the second season, different guest stars. Clearly, uh, we had Frank Langella as a guest star this season. Now we get Chris Sarandon, who uh, I guess is famous, uh, de facto through Susan Sarandon. Hey. What's her uh, name? What's her name from Hill Street Blues and um, mm-hmm. from Cop Rock? She was also in this episode, and obviously like, Andrew Robinson. Uh, who, by the way, I never knew was in Hellraiser. I was watching Hellraiser for Halloween, and Andrew Robinson pops up. Garrick. Um, is and... he in this episode? No, but I was saying that they were trying. I think they were trying out. They were constantly kind of rotating in different guest stars. Um, we saw that you know in certain ones, like they were recurring, like Rom. They were they were changing and working with. I think they were. I think that as a writing staff, they were very much trying different things in the second season, throwing things at the wall, seeing what stuck. And some of it works and yeah. some of it doesn't. Yes. But this episode rivals. Um, what do you guys kind of like make out of it? What do you take away from this episode? Do you think about the Bashir Orion or do you think about the Alorian guy who's the rival with Cork? Do you think about the Cork stuff? I'm going to use a combination of the words that you just said. The Allure of the Bashir and Miles plot, which is um, if you don't um, aren't on the interwebs as much, plot means the eye candy 
and the eye candy for the ladies. You had um some some hairy chest Miles O'Brien. He took his shirt off. He put a shirt on. Like this mm-hmm. seems like a very conscious effort to to really boost the sex appeal. Maybe they were trying to get um, Colomini on um on people's uh, one hundred um, beautiful people. Um, issue, and they didn't really have any success until Harry Kim um, broke that barrier, but um, who knows? Um, that's the only thing, like, looking back, I'm going to say, this is the episode for the ladies. This right. is for the ladies? With yeah. that Chris Sarandon smile? Yeah, like, people love the Sarandon. Yeah, like, here, I got it here, like, that. look at, look at where, not, not him. <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there you go. Wow, what a face. <laughs> this just, just in uh <laughs> Colmini rated 78 as top sexiest man 1994 because of this shirtless scene <laughs> did he actually <laughs> no i made it up oh okay but it, it, <laughs> it would have been fun yeah. that would have been awesome if that was the end result <laughs> like he had a contractual think- obligation I think we get two more rules of acquisition out of this episode, don't we? 74. Which up do you have the fun facts? I do have some fun facts. It's 74 and which no, I'm 47. One is like you you have your dick. No, yeah, that's one. That's 74. And then there's another one that says um, a man with a dignity and a bag is just a man with a bag. It says dignity and an empty sack. Is the wor- worth is worth the, the sack. sack? Is worth the yeah. sack, sir. Never trust yeah. a man wearing a better suit than your own. That's number seventy-four, right? Forty-seven. Forty-seven. Ah, I'm a terrible Ferengi. Okay, I got some <laughs> fun facts for all you cool cats and kittens out there. <laughs> cool cats and kittens. Okay. Okay, Carol. Michael Pillar. Conceived Marcus Missouri to be the wayward son of Guinan. Guinan herself was to appear in the episode, but Whoopi Goldberg was unavailable. Dwayne Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit? Oh, back in heaven. All the references uh, to Guinan were removed, and only Marcus' status as an Elorian was retained. I'm kind of glad they didn't ruin Guinan by giving her a son <laughs> like that. <laughs> The yeah, well, they hadn't actually even identified Guinan as a member of the Elorian species, but uh, until Generations, which came out at the end of 1994. Right. So, so maybe this was supposed to be like a tie-in, and then they're like, "Yeah, let's just like, there's no need to trample on Generations with this." Yeah, we don't want to give it away. Okay, the racquetball court was built on the uh, Hollow Suite set. Due to the cost of putting up and taking down the set, it was decided not to reuse the sport. Yeah, it's better for them playing darts. Yeah, uh, it's, this racquetball's annoying. Racquetball was not gonna, racquetball was not going to cut it. it was They're like, much- this is too much of a pain in the ass to build the racquetball set. We're not doing it anymore. Plus the special effects of uh, Colin Meany's uh, sweat sweatshirts. <laughs> too much. But also, O'Brien apparently sucks at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, or or Bashir is like a pro. Uh Michael Pillar originally envisioned the character of Martis becoming a recurring one, but later decided against it. He's no Harry Mud, he said. That's not. We thought he could be our Harry Mud. 
This episode references the rules of acquisition number 47. Never trust a man wearing a better suit than your own. And number 109, dignity and an empty sack is worth the sack. Interesting, interesting. It took six hours to shoot all of the racquetball scenes. The futuristic design of the court with its beveled walls caused the ball to bounce back at unpredictable angles. Who would have thought? In an interview, (laughs) Alexander Siddig said, we were chasing these balls around like nutters (laughs) until they finally just staged us so we could look like we were just shooting the ball where it wanted to go, end quote. So... (laughs) They built a set, didn't really think through how they're going to use the set, and then were surprised by it doing not what they're expecting to do. And then there's so, the solution was random <laughs> angles everywhere, and then you're surprised that the ball bounces erratically. Yeah, there's a reason like, why uh, like racquetball courts are flat walls. <laughs> Lord. Okay. Uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg was to have played Guinan, her her recurring role from Star Trek The Next Generations, but she was unavailable due to her movie work. She appeared in Star Trek Universe in Star Trek Generations, which explains that Guinan is an Elorian. Um, She might have been working on Generations at this this time as well, so that could have been happening. Well, they would have been shooting Generations... uh... About two months after this, because I know they shot Generations around uh, the same time they shot the finale for Next Generation. All good things. They were they were shot almost at the exact same day or weeks, right? So they should have flipped. Um, had all good things have this the movie budget and Generations the TV budget, in my opinion. Well, what they said so like um and and all good things and Generations were both written by Brian and Braga and Michael D- Ronald D. Moore. And they, they, they said that it was so weird that the, t- the TV finale and that story ended up being such a better story than Generations, even though yeah. that was the one that was supposed to be the awesome movie and was supposed to top it. And it didn't. And it's kind of, I don't know what lesson you take from that. It really, you know, is it just better to have a good story or is it? You could understand the set pieces that they had in Generations, right? There were specific set pieces that were supposed to wow people, but like that's not what I'm there for in terms of Star Trek, right? Well, I think everyone I'm, was there for Kirk and Picard together, right? Like that was uh, the, okay, I guess a little bit, you know, getting those two together, and uh, and I guess you know getting the next gen crew into the movies. I think overall, I was there for Data swearing. Yeah, oh shit. Yep. Right. That was fun. That was a big okay. laugh. A pack <laughs> a pack led is seen as a background character in Quark's bar. Pack Packleds were first seen in Star Trek the Next Generation Samaritan Snare. But in they which will they, in which they kidnap Jordy so he can fix things for them. Please smart. Yeah. Please. Can you make this go? Makes go. <laughs> Just yeah. imagine if they had the good luck technology. But they came back in uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, Jeff. Okay. Original, 
Originally, there were three designs for the probability machine. The handheld device, which was originally designed larger than its appearance in the final episode, the larger device created by Martis and a four-person gambling orb for the casino. Ultimately, only the first two designs, with some elements from the third, were incorporated into the final production. What is the game? You you touch it and a light goes up? Yeah. That's and it, says, it? And it says you win or lose. That's the game. You flip a coin. Congratulations. This Let's... is this is scientific futuristic technology, man. Like this is you go you push the button, it goes or it goes and that's it. Okay, so this one I don't know if you guys caught this one, but Martis orders a prosecco at Quark's bar, and then Quark pours him a cloudy pinkish liquid in almost a, a small bubble. Bul- bulbous glass. Prosecco is an Italian sparkling wine similar to champagne. It's clear and bubbly with a light golden hue. As such, either Prosecco is also the name of an Aloria Martis species drink or some of the other alien world. And Quark inexpectedly knows which one Martis is ordering. Or Quark or, was like, I'm giving you a free drink. You're going to take this and just like it. It's uh, cheap stuff. As well as I that. did notice when Quark pours drinks, he does not come anywhere near to filling the glass. And I feel like that's on brand. That's yeah. that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a subtle thing. You were like, yeah, when you go back and rewatch, you notice. You're like, this yeah. is good. <laughs> yeah. And he says, or oh, Quark got his drink order wrong. Okay. I'll <laughs> be. Uh, Oddly, Club Martis appears to be located where the Bajoran Temple normally is on the promenade. The front of the temple had been converted to be the storefront seen in DS9 Sanctuary. The temple was not restored until three episodes later in Whispers. Yeah, so that was just so that they could have the, um, his rival, the you know, Quark Club Martis, right across from his bar. That was the only reason to do that. But they they clearly tore down the Bajoran temple, which is sacrilegious and an affront to the Bajoran people. How did this get how did they stand for this? Calwin was busy. Kaiwin was busy. Vedequin. Vedequin. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. Um I the thing I don't always get about the promenade, Jeff, uh, and group here is that everything is bunched together. Like quarks, uh the infirmary. Uh, the entrance to the temple, the replimat, and then there's a whole bunch of nothing on the other side of the of the promenade, like where there's it's just uh, benches for Morn to sleep on. Yeah, benches for Morn to sleep on, <laughs> like and shops that don't seem like we call that we call that downtown Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's location, location, location. You know. Yeah. Okay. Um, Dax reassures Doctor Bashir that Chief O'Brien. Can't be a day over 38. Colmini, who plays O'Brien, was 40 years old at the time of filming. A firm 40-year-old. Yeah, okay. I'm 37. This guy looks old, way older. Uh, let me... Right? I don't know. I've seen him with his shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. <laughs> No, I'm not gonna do that. Um, <laughs> I can't. I can't compete with you, Cole Meany. You're you're much younger and better looking. 
1994 at least. One of the ingredients <laughs> in Quark's sed- sedative drink is dilithium flavor extract ounce 435 as shown on Bashir's computer screen. This is one of the many examples of in-jokes that have been added by the show's art department throughout the series. So what would have happened if you drank that during the burn? That's what I was just thinking. What happens during the burn? Kevin? Not good. No idea. (laughs) It's because you don't watch Star Trek Discovery. That's right. And I'm proud of it. <laughs> Remember, Star Trek Discovery over on Live Long and Podcast Thursday nights. Uh, I won't be watching, but hopefully you will be. It's a great cross promotion. We're <laughs> off our panel tries to convince you to watch that, and the other guy tries to tell you not to. So I think so it's good. fun. I think it's a good joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good. good. <laughs> Okay, that's it for Fun Facts All with Jeff. Right. All right, let's get into our episode ratings. Um, all right, so this is called Rivals. Um, Kevin, do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go right in the middle at five. Five, okay. Uh, Ashley, did she give you a rating? or No. Okay. I would so- like to hear what Ashley thought about this episode. Do you do you I know Kevin know. if she's ever? I have no idea. Okay. All right. Well, Jamil, then we're going to need a numeric for you. Was this better uh, or worse 5. than Sanctuary? Three point five. This was worse than Sanctuary for you. Um. Yeah. Okay. So you and Kevin flipped here. Kevin gave last week a three <laughs> and gave this week a five, and you gave last week a five. Well, you gave this a three and a half. So I w- I was like I was confused by last episode by some of the choices they made. Right, and that was like, you know, for the most part, I think they they at least tried some interesting stuff. This was just beyond lazy. This is this ridiculous. All right, let's see what Jeff will vote. Well, I think I'm going to give it a three point five as well. Okay, I'm going to give it a seven. I think you're all being a little harsh, um, <laughs> but. <it's... laughs> So, uh, not that not that that helped the the average out that much. So this is averaging at a four point eight. So it is officially worse than Sanctuary. Um, yeah, not 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 terrific. This is a six point six on IMDb, but you know nothing goes lower than six on IMDb. Anyway, so take that for what it is. Next week we're doing the alternate, which I don't remember. Any information on the alternate as we look ahead. Nope. The, the alternate is here's the premise. The Bajoran scientist who used to be Odo's teacher arrives with evidence of other of others of Odo's kinds. Oh yeah, yeah. This is where his dad shows oh, up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is I think we actually are going to like this episode. Uh, because I think Grenade Obergenois tears up the scenery big time in this episode. Right, I'm excited. It's an Odo episode. Over here on Deep Space Nine and Nine-ish. Sorry, go ahead. Is this the one where he finds the the changeling? No, no, that's no. later. Okay. That's later in the. Sh- that's after he gets like turned into a solid. Oh right, of course. Right, of course um, they would have to be. <laughs> so, 
Right. And it was, you know, it was trying to like as they were trying to like expand on some of these characters' backstories, like bringing him in made sense. And the fact that he said, they're like, why do you wear your hair back like that? Odo and he's like, well, the scientist who raised me, or, or you know, whatever he—that's how he hid, did his hair. So I just did that. So some interesting like things they they do a lot to fill in Odo's backstory. Like they had yeah. the one with him and Kira from five years ago, and and whatever. And then there's some of these characters that we never learn much about. Like how much do we really know about? Uh, I don't know, Jordy LaForge. You know, like comparatively, <laughs> um, we know about his hologram, um, his um, hollow suite, um, um, ideals. Hey, we, right. we, 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 we know one thing about Jordy that he's got a coolant leak in the, in, in the warm core. <laughs> we gotta get everybody out, we gotta get everybody out now. Yeah. <laughs> go, go, go. When right. you touch the panels, you're actually touching me. What what always amazes me that in a show that is character driven, especially the like these shows like Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, Voyager specifically, these are character driven episodes. Most of them, they're this is a Worf episode or whatever, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and some of these characters we really fill in their stories. We get to know who they are, what they're about, whatever. And some of them, I feel like we barely ever truly get to know anything about these people. Like we see them like other than being good at their jobs or saving the day, but like their backstories, not as much. Like how much of Dr. Crusher do you actually know? I know she grew up, her mother, her grandmother lived on that Scotland planet. Uh, I, know, the, I, I know she fucks ghosts. Right. Her, she has come from a long line. Of more than one time. More yeah. More. <laughs> um, there's like Rikers from Alaska and he has a bad relationship with his dad. And I guess his dad dated Pulaski or something. I don't know. And uh, <laughs> Kirk's got, got a more brother. Of a backstory about his dad than him. Like yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The question is, like, are we better served by having more backstory and connections to these characters or not? And I guess it depends, right? Like, it's, some of it's good and some of it's bad. But there's some characters they have earmarked as being like mysterious or like something that you'll you'll get a revelation about them. Like you get a lot about Cisco throughout the the time as we go forward because he's like a driving force of of a lot of you know questions and a lot of um, development for other people that bounce off of him. Um, not much people are bouncing off of Jordy LaForge, right? Yeah, like yeah, as an example, Troy even less so, right? Like she yeah. likes chocolate. Like that's all we need to know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like chocolate. She yeah. likes chocolate and Valium, apparently. <laughs> she is a psychiatrist. <laughs> well, I think that's all we got here tonight on for Deep Space Nine at nine-ish. Anything else anybody wants to say before we head off until next week? Where well, we Jeff, we got some other stuff here on Live Long and Podcast we may want to mention. Do you want to uh, uh, do what do we got coming up this week, Dave, on Live Long Podcast? Well, 
Thanks for asking, Jeff. Tomorrow night, uh, we're going to be doing our original series weekly uh, watch. And tomorrow's episode of Star Trek The Original Series is called Wolf in the Fold, which is where Scotty gets accused oh. of murder. Like it's a Hallow It was actually a Halloween episode back in 1967. And um, it, uh, Adam Woodward messaged me the other night to say, this episode is bananas. Like, this is crazy. It's a Jack uh, the Ripper episode. It's a Jack the Ripper episode, yeah. Um, and it's Remembrance Day tomorrow, and so and James Doohan being a veteran of uh, you know of Canada in World War II, I think it's a fitting one that to to kind of cover. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, Thursday night we're going to be doing Star Trek Discovery, which Jeff and uh, Kevin definitely will not be watching, but Jamil and I will be. And uh, you know, and uh, we will be covering the was it the sixth episode of this third season. No, I'm sorry. Is it the? It's the fifth episode we're doing. Fifth episode. It's the fifth episode this week. Uh, as we head into, as we that will be the halfway mark of this third season, and it's been fun so far. Like it's really been um, a good ride. We'll see if they can stick the landing. I was feeling pretty good about Picard, you know, and uh, sort of at this point, Picard, I started started to go. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, so we'll see. We'll see. But so far, so good. Worth checking out um, and uh, some interesting things. And then we will be doing Star Trek Radio Theater. This is Saturday night this week, I believe. I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're doing an episode of Star Trek Voyager called Memorial, which is not the lightest episode or subject matter. Um, but I think it's going to be an interesting one for us to do. This is... Um, this deals with PTSD. This deals with uh, a lot of different things. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I haven't uh, talked to you guys. Are, uh, Kevin, uh, Jeff, who are part of this cast, uh, are you guys excited? I, I play Harry. I'm playing Harry Kim. Yeah. Okay. You don't okay. know this yet. You haven't even looked at this yet. I saw I was playing Harry Kim, but <laughs> I mean, I, I thought I would act surprised. Okay. And <laughs> Kevin, you're playing really um, uh, bugged out uh, Tom Paris, right? Tom like he's Paris. all, uh, yeah, he's all, ah, come get away from me, Bellana. What is on my hands? What did I do all with right. these hands? Tom Paris on meth. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Jamil, do you remember this episode of Voyager? I, for the most part, never remember Voyager episodes. Um, yeah, I don't remember it. I did not remember. I, I I I vaguely remembered. It's actually it's actually better now, I think, than it was back in two thousand when this first aired. So check that out on um, on Friday night. Uh, sorry, but you know what? Some, some some of the great parts of uh, Star Trek Radio Theater is, um, you know, getting that you're watching the episode or listening to the episode, and it just kicks in. You're like, oh, it's this episode, right? So yeah. that's part that of the fun here. of it. That's not really not. That's probably not going to happen for you um, unless you're a diehard uh, Voyager fan. But uh, no, fun not. fact: this episode of Voyager has the first appearance of hockey in all of Star Trek. Well, that's a lot of fun, Dave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want. I want to thank Dave Mater, Jamil Robinson, and Kevin Millard for joining us for Deep Space Nine and Nine ish. Here to talk about season two, episode eleven, Rivals. First episode of ninety-four. Uh we'll see you next week. Yeah. Talk about the okay. Yeah. That's, All right. that's it. Good night. Good night. Oh, thank you.